Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer of words, recorder of videos, and at Tabletop Roleplaying Aficionado. Welcome to the Thursday edition, our first Thursday edition of my bi-weekly behind-the-scenes DM-only livestream, Crafting the Deep, in which I build, write, and prepare for our next session of Call from the Deep. If you are playing characters, nope, I don't know the characters yet, ah! <laughs> but it's not meant for you players, but for the rest of you, welcome. We stream our D&D sessions live on YouTube every Friday. Watch all of our sessions and reviews here on the channel. You can follow me on Twitter at Rogue Watson and join our official Discord server with invite link into the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson for our campaign. We use Roll20. For streaming, I use OBS Studio. We are still talking about the pre-campaign prep, which means we're trying to nail down just the overall like plot structure and... Hopefully, even like which um, scenarios and modules I'm using, since this is kind of a unique blend of two different uh, campaign books, which is certainly the first time I've tried to do that. Uh, and then eventually, so we'll probably do at least two weeks of this pre campaign prep. And then once we start getting into like the session zero week, we'll actually start specifically prepping like session one right like like really doing a deep dive into uh sinister secret of salt marsh and the actual you know opening of it but the opening is also very important because that's kind of where we set the stage like what the players need to know which is a big part of it like what you know how much information do i give them what are some uh you know what are the important factions involved in this campaign um you know just the relevant information because i do think it's important when you're setting up a a, a session zero is giving your players some kind of a little primer thing that basically explains, you know, if you have any house rules or uh, if there's any restrictions on character creation uh, that are specific or, you know, what's if they have any, like, spell bans or something like that. So obviously that part's important, but also stuff that's relevant specifically to this campaign. Like, hey, what, uh, you know, in, in the last two campaigns, it's been very specific in the region, right? We had Cholt in Tomb of Annihilation, and we had Icewind Dale in Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. So the player characters had to be relevant to those areas, and they always had to have some excuse for being there. And this one, I think I talked about this on Monday's stream, just takes place along kind of the Sword Coast and the actual uh, sea, you know, the, the whole area off of the, I guess it's the Sea, the sea of Swords, <laughs> Uh, which means you don't have to tie them into those specific regions specifically like I did before. So it kind of opens it up a little bit more. And the players could have different backgrounds, similar to... So in Tomb, everybody arrived in Schultz. So they had a reason for going there. In Rhyme, I actually did a combination. I had some players arriving in Icewind Dale and others already were there and maybe they've, you know, grown up there or know the region a little bit more and they actually kind of met, um, you know, with some of them having arrived and others just kind of out exploring the area. So I could do kind of a similar thing here where players could be from different areas. I mean, you could have some that are, you know, I assume some characters, for example, are are going to want to have some kind of like, you know, pirate background or something to do with being on the water already. So maybe they just pulled up into port in Salt Marsh. I think Salt Marsh is supposed to be, um, you know, have some kind of a, a port system. It's not, it's not a big city. It's a fishing village, but it's, you know, a good way station for 
um, maybe boats and ships and stuff. You can see the, and these look like, you know, legit ships coming into port here and trading goods and everything. So this is, by the way, this is the salt marsh map, which I'm not even sure I'm going to use in our campaign. We're going to get into that, but there's a whole, there's a great chapter on all the salt marsh stuff. If you were going to use salt marsh as like a Fandolin style hub town, and I think Lost Mine of Fend and Fendelver is wonderful because it creates that kind of little hub town where all these little quests go off of and you you know get to know the little residents and and that's fantastic and kind of 10 towns is almost just a bigger wider version of that right you do it's just all 10 towns put together and you get to know those areas in this campaign though i'm not really going to be staging stuff out of salt marsh so much i still want to use sinister secret of salt marsh i think it's a great opening but I'm not going to really run the whole. It's like salt marsh. Salt marsh is not going to be the center of my world. Instead, we're going to be going kind of wider out. And in fact, we might even spend more time in Neverwinter, because chapter two of Call from the Deep involves the attack by a bunch of different factions on major cities on the Sword Coast. And I think that would be. I mean, you could switch it to Salt Marsh, but I think it would be more dire if it was a major city, and then it'd make more sense why they would get you know, more important uh, missions and stuff from there. Plus, they should be tier two by the time we get to that uh, chapter, and that seems more appropriate. They'd be like, you know, taking care of major catastrophes like that. So I don't think I'm going to actually be using a whole lot of chapter one in Ghosts of Saltmarsh, which is specifically going over, I mean, it's, it's like, it's got 30, I think, some uh, areas in the town. Like, you could really go deep into it and, and get to know it, and that's, that seems nice, but I just I don't think it's going to fit this particular campaign. There, there's these different factions that you can you know get into if your players like the politicking and you know working the uh, working all these different factions who have different interests in Salt Marsh. I think the only thing I'm interested in though is the fact that there's a haunted house nearby, and we can just replace the Scarlet Brotherhood with the Zentarum, which seems pretty obvious. And then I think we start giving clues that will, by the time they finish Sinister Secret of Salt Marsh, I think that's when we lead them to Gunderlin and basically kick off Call from the Deep. And then I don't think we really need to even return to Salt Marsh, but I'm willing to hear some arguments on, on what you all think. Um, or, like I said, I could shift gears and make it so they're attacking Salt Marsh, but I don't... It, mm. I feel like they it makes sense for them to attack one of the major cities because then you can put cool things in there that they're going after, which is what is the case in Chapter 2. And I especially like the Neverwinter one because their their mission is to go assassinate this Aboleth. And I feel like that's a really cool twist because you think they're going to like get some you know powerful artifact or just to attack and sack this city, but actually they're on an assassination mi mission to destroy this Aboleth who could you know maybe threaten their uh, the, the Elder Brain slash Kraken's... Uh, plot and machinations and everything so i i don't really think i need to go too far into uh salt marsh and introducing a lot of npcs or factions here and in fact that may even be detrimental in this campaign if i focus too much on salt marsh only for it to be just our opening village and then once the players actually you know acquire uh the sea ghost which i totally plan on giving them at the end of the sinister secret uh, mission chain, 
then I think they could just put it in their rear view and kind of move on. I don't really see a reason to um, focus too much on Salt Marsh, which which means I'm also conflicted on whether to even like say, hey, some of you could be from like the town of Salt Marsh and have ties there because then that suddenly makes it more important, you know. And so I'm thinking. I mean, obviously I want to leave it up to the players, but I just I figure with a primer, it's it's nice to give them a heads up and be like, all right, some of you, you know, here here's some sample factions you could work for. And actually, Call from the Deep has some um, has a section. Uh, here it is, Factions of the of the Sword Coast, that kind of goes over the relevant factions and which ones um, are used here. And, and they kind of just use the standard, you know, Harper, Lords Alliance, Order of the Gauntlet, Emerald Enclave, all those that are, uh, you know, really depends on the DM and the, and the campaign on whether or not those factions really mean anything. In our campaign, I can really play around with the fact that the Order of the Gauntlet has kind of been, has is basically like Kalinar and the Lich, um, what is it, Knights, uh, shoot, what is the, I don't remember the Lich's name, Renwick, is that the Lich's name? That All the way back from Prince, our Prince of the Apocalypse campaign, um, and I like to think that maybe they're the, because if you remember, they're the ones that actually sent the players on the mission to the to, to do Tomb of Annihilation, so I like the fact that maybe, and we didn't really get to interact with them at all in Rhyme, because Icewind Dale is such an isolated place, but now that we're back in the Sword Coast, suddenly I could have the whole Order of the Gauntlet basically be like Kalinar's, uh, crew, and uh, people could work for that as just basically organized, like, uh, what's the Justice League, I guess? <laughs> organized heroes, Avengers kind of a thing. Um, whereas the Lord's Alliance is, to me, the closest thing Faerun has to, like, an organized government, because otherwise it's mostly just, like, city-states just kind of running their own thing. But the Lord's Alliance is, like, you know, government slash Illuminati, maybe, where it's a lot of the heads of state are kind of helping run things and agreeing on things, like a UN or something. So some folks could work for that if they want to be government agents. And then, to me, the inciting incident is not the call from the deep incident, but it's the sinister secret of Salt Marsh. And then I can tease what's going on out uh, in Gunderland because I really don't want to tip my hand too much about the fact that. I, I really don't like the way Call from the Deep opens up with immediately, hey, hey, you're you're getting a mission from Lord Neverember uh, to because we've got a hot tip that there's like a crash-landed alien vessel out in this island you need to go explore it. That's giving too much information at the beginning and, and frankly, overvaluing like what would be level one player characters. Catch up on the chat for a second. And yes, welcome to the, the European stream, basically. <laughs> it's it's kind of handy. It's what I do these different times for uh, Thursdays. Uh, and by the way, hello to Nate, Hammertoes, Bear, Bo, Lazy DM. Good to see a lot of familiar names. Early info drops so much easier in the early sessions. There are so many hints in the Alchemy Live of the House every time I have. Sense of Secret as an opener. Ask each player a connection, even in passing, to at least two, one or two others. I do like the connection that and I believe this has been mentioned a couple times, where somebody gets, like, the deed to the house or something. That could actually be a pretty fun little twist, so maybe they care a little bit more. And, um, it, you know, you could manufacture based on the... And the problem is I have to wait until the, they kind of make their characters. So I remember I had the same problem with doing my campaign, uh, pre-campaign prep in Rhyme, where I can do a lot of the overarching stuff, but especially the very beginning where the players are, like, meeting up and getting together and what their motivation is and inciting incident and all that... You kind of have to wait until the last minute because then you know who your players are and what their backgrounds are. And I want to be able to implement that kind of thing. So I can give them ideas and say some of you you know, are familiar with Salt Marsh. 
maybe you've just shown up. Other, you know, I, I, I'm thinking the main uh, conceit is that even if they all come from different backgrounds and areas, which I'm sure they will, it's D and D. Um, they're all going to be in Salt Marsh together. I think we're all we're going to start in Salt Marsh, and either based on one character's thing, or maybe they all have different missions to go check out this rumored haunted house. Maybe some of them are just you know in it for the adventure. Some of it may just be chilling in Salt Marsh and be like, oh, I've I've heard about this. Sure, I'll come with you. You know, maybe one of them got a deed to the house and they're like, oh, I want to really go check this out. But that'll be like the whole thing is so really you don't have that big main quest start, which I did in Tomb. I did the whole like, hey, you guys all work for, you know, Kalinar and you're getting this main quest to go do the thing. And that was basically it. But in Rhyme, I really created a, hey, you're all just here for different reasons. And then you we start rolling out the main quest after a long time. And in fact, Rhyme, I really buried the lead on uh, what the main quest was. Here, you're gonna get the main quest a little bit earlier, but you're gonna tease like what it all involves and the danger level. Uh, but you're not gonna get it right off the bat. Instead, I wanna create Sinister Secret as kind of the opening mission. And then by the end of Sinister Secret, they'll know, oh shit, we need to go out to this island in uh, Gunderland. Maybe the players will choose to sail up to Neverwinter or something first, but the main quest will be to go to Gunderland next. Or the main quest could be, I think we also mentioned this on Monday, maybe I throw salvage operation in there as a drop-in mission and say, hey, this is actually the next uh, breadcrumb trail. And then you go to salvage operation because you think, you know, maybe this the, the sea elf that's been captured by the sea ghost or something can, can point them to that. And then when you get to salvage operation, now you've got this uh, at the end of salvage, op- or I guess middle of salvage operation where you're just, you're exploring this um, half sunken ship this giant like i don't know dire octopus or something comes and like attacks the ship and you could really flavor it as like yeah some kind of like a thulu like monster or or maybe it's like it's an octopus that's been controlled and it's trying to like get this you know maybe there's some artifact there it's trying to get its hands on but that would tease the fact like okay there's some real shit going on here in the ocean like what's going on maybe that breadcrumb could lead them to uh gunderland maybe the ship came out of gunderland or something so we could even throw a salvage operation in there as well Unless you are doing the Salt Marsh Arc, there really isn't a lot of value. Yeah, I've moved the house so many times. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that, Bear. We could move the house to Neverwinter. <laughs> that, that feels so weird to not even use Salt Marsh. Doesn't it? But, but maybe that's a good point, though. Maybe I should just... Mmm. <sighs> that's a fucking thought. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that, um, and I believe Sylvan Fox mentioned this at the end of the Monday stream, instead of smuggling weapons into Salt Marsh, maybe they're smuggling weapons out of Salt Marsh into the ocean because that's where all of the attacks are going to come from. So ironically, they would be smuggled, they would be gathering all these, you know, supplies in like a small town of Salt Marsh and then these ships would be taking all these weapons and you know maybe they'd be bringing something in but they'd be taking in all these weapons and supplies out for the armies and forces that are going to be attacking uh, neverwinter which could be an interesting twist so they just find like a stockpile of weapons um that are going out on the ships but that's a good point we could just move the goddamn house to neverwinter it feels so weird not literally not to use it at all but i was already talking about how like it's not going to play a big part in the campaign 
I'm starting them in Salt Marsh long enough to get attached, and later in the campaign, Salt Marsh will get attacked like the rest of the big cities. Okay, that's also something I meant. Yeah, and I'm sorry, I'm catching up on that chat later after I went on my big spiel. But yeah, I could. That was the other change I could make is that maybe Salt Marsh is one of the ones that gets attacked, um, which would be the opposite. That means I'm making it more of a big deal. But that also means I need to put something in Salt Marsh that's valuable. Um, that would that would be valuable enough for them to attack it because I believe um, in one of the cities they're assassinating an Aboleth. In the it is all chapter two by the way. In another city they're kidnapping a wizard, and in the third city I believe they're recovering just this powerful magical artifact. So you'd have to do something like that to make it worth that the that salt marsh would be attacked like that in which case you could put ties in there and it makes like oh no my hometown is you know it's a classic jrpg trope <laughs> my home we come back my home village is under attack and this is going to create such a dramatic motivation for me the lord's alliance is basically the eu <laughs> yeah there's a hundred out somewhere and also it's pretty much equivalent of a feudal compact of nations more accurate more accurately baronies Harrogamut's the most fun ones have been the most un Unlikely chosen player to like an orphan or a recluse. Give them a physical connection. Thought was all the trade towns that one way for them to meet. Yeah. Replace the elf with the survivor of the Emperor of the Waves and lead them that way. I've done that so many times. Move the house. Yeah. Uh, Emperor of the Waves is a salvage operation, I think. Is that correct? I'm still on the very early stages. And honestly, this is twice as much work right now as I'm going through because I'm literally reading two campaign books together trying to keep all this information straight. Uh, which, uh, by the way, Platinum Patrons, I'm still working on even getting my notes organized, my, my pre-campaign notes, so there's nothing uh, in the call for the D folder just yet. Could follow the weapons to the problem. I love the trope of home village being attacked. It's a classic. I mean, it's a classic. It, it creates the drama uh, for the motivation for the characters. But then, in that case, you have to establish that connection which that would be pretty effective if um especially if some of the players are from that area especially if you do the trope of like one of them won the deed to the house then it's like my fucking house <laughs> or they bought you know they bought the deed or something um then that would be a big deal if it's being attacked like we got to defend you know and i don't have a i know some uh you know parties and players player character motivation can be an issue uh, I never liked that because I feel like most of the... Every, every once in a while, my players will bug me when they're like, wait, why are we doing this? And I, I feel like getting bristly and salty when I hear that. There was a there was a infamous moment when they were taking on the Goliath uh, side quest in Rhyme where they were like, why are we doing this? And I was like, because we're playing D&D &D and this is the adventure. <laughs> uh, but usually, most of the time, they're they're pretty invested and can find the motivation. But it does help when you literally create those... Uh, motivational ties and connections um, on the outset. But now you've got me thinking that, gosh, do I want to just move the actual house, in which case it's no longer the sinister secret of Salt Marsh. <laughs> it's the sinister secret of wherever the fuck I want it to be. Hmm. So that is something I've really got to figure out. Salt Marsh... Both Saltmarsh and Neverwinter have maps. Um, the Neverwinter map isn't as nice as Saltmarsh's map. I don't know where uh, Call from the Deep got this map from. It's okay. Uh, it's this one right here. 
So you could, you know, I'm, I'm picturing when the actual attack happens and you use, you know, the, a map of an area. Uh, there's no detail on it. It's very, it doesn't even have like little houses or anything. It's very, very zoomed out. Um, I might even be able to find a better one online or something I could use. The Salt Marsh map is lovely. It's gorgeous. Um, it looks like a Mike Schley map, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if I can actually bring that. This this is the one. I don't know if I can actually bring this into my campaign because uh, the first chapter is not available as an add-on module like all the other chapters are. So anything that's in actual chapter one, um, I have to tab over to the Ghosts of Salt. So I, literally when you're seeing this map, I'm tabbing over to an entirely different game, which is the Ghosts of Saltmarsh game. And then when I go back to this one, this is actually my call from the Deep Adventure in which I've added various Ghosts of Saltmarsh things. I apologize if it's getting whiplash from going back and forth. Potentially even better. What are the smugglers out of Neverwinter using the house to avoid the authorities? Yeah. I mean, it could it could honestly fit a lot better. For salvage operation, I'm going to use a Kraken Priest trying to escape Slarkrothel because he's acting strangely, then Slark attacks. Yeah. it That's great. Like, it, it feels like you could just do a little, a few little turns of the knobs and twists to make it fit, like, perfectly um, with the call from the deep structure. Dungeon Siege 2. I think I did play Dungeon Siege 2, but I don't remember anything about it. I played the first one, too. Uh, there was an era where I played basically any game that was even remotely like Diablo. I remember uh, Titan Quest, I think, was the best of the bunch. Um... And then that dude went on to make uh, Grim Dawn many years later, which is also very good. And obviously I'm playing the shit on Diablo 4 right now. <laughs> Saltmarsh, you can buy a house with a vampire trapped in the basement. Uh, yes. There, I mean, there's some interesting stuff going on Saltmarsh. Like I said, it, it's detailed. Um, I think the house with the vampire in the basement is actually like a, a hideout that the Scarlet Brotherhood is using also. Uh, and you know that's it's impressive. Like I said, there's like 30 different buildings. There's taverns. There's things you could. But you could also literally just pick up any of this information, put it Neverwinter. You'd be like, "Fuck Salt Marsh. I'm gonna use all the best information and just put it Neverwinter." And now everybody just cares about uh, Neverwinter. And then maybe that's where everybody's based off of. It's a bigger uh, town. Everybody, uh, you know, could be there for various reasons. Some of them work for the government. Some of them are. Um, I don't know, uh, pirates, you know, they, they, they work off the sea. Maybe they're in for shore leave or something. Maybe somebody's a harper who's just, you know, in town to be an adventurer. And then you've got the, the only weird thing about putting the haunted house in Neverwinter plot hole wise that I can see is that as written, uh, the haunted house He's been around for like three years, which I think, let me see if I can find this again, which seems absolutely insane to me because who the fuck, and it's not, it's not literally in the town. I do know that it's supposed to be a little, you know, a couple miles away or something, but still like that seems crazy to just be like, yeah, that's the. The haunted house, we stay away from that. There's spooky noises out there. Like, it's one thing in this, in our universe, to be like, yeah, that's kind of a creepy house. But in the fucking D&D universe, there's, like, actually undead and shit roaming around. Not uncommonly. <laughs> like, it's kind of a, 
a fucking problem to where I don't know why anybody would bury their dead, like, culturally in this universe. Uh, so I don't know how anybody could stand having a haunted... And you've got hired adventurers just coming out of your butt left and right. So the fact that there would just be this kind of rumored haunted house not too far away from a village... Um, for years seems kind of hilarious to me, so at the very least, I may be uh, shortening that timeline a bit. I'm trying to find where it says. It's four miles east of Saltmarsh, just inland of the old coast road since a haunted house. Until 20 years ago, it had been the residence of the aged alchemist of sinister reputation. Now, two decades of the unexplained disappearance of its occupant, the house has been even greater. Oh, does it talk about how long it's been there like that, though? In recent times, I swear I saw three years somewhere. Hopefully, I'm not making that up. I know you can talk to like a dude who's been in there. It seemed it seemed like hilarious to me that. It, so the problem is, why would this be in never? If this is a known thing in Neverwinter, like they would have fucking taken care of this. That's the thing. Like the only thing I can make sense to me is that okay, well. You know, Salt Marsh is pretty small. They don't have, like, a, you know, standing army or anything. That place is kind of far away. They just don't fuck with it. It doesn't fuck with them. Like, so maybe it's been around for a couple months or something. Maybe even a year that it's been sitting there like that. And people are just like, yeah, rumored it's pretty creepy. But if it was in, like, near Neverwinter, like, fucking, they would have, like, somebody would have taken care of this place, right? You don't just have, like, a rumored haunted house somewhere. Am I, am I, am I thinking too much into this? <laughs> are there just... Fucking haunted houses everywhere, even in major cities. Neverwinter is large enough that Salt Marsh could literally be a small outpost town of the city, like a like a suburb. <laughs> you can use the transmortifier to bring the map over to your campaign. How do I do that again, Lazy DM? You're gonna have to walk me through that because I don't remember. I tried looking for the transmortifier and I couldn't find it, but it's been forever since I've done that. Make the house demonic instead of haunted if you want it more scary. Well, I don't need it more scary. I'm just trying to have it make sense. First time catching a live stream. I'd like to take this moment to say that I absolutely love your Icewind Dale campaign. I took a lot of inspiration from your playthrough of my own campaign. Awesome. Good to hear it. Goodness. Do I try to pronounce this name? Sjord? Sjord, master? Oh, I get it. Sword. <laughs> had to say it out loud before I even understood it. That's that's clever. Uh, thank you very much. It's very sweet. Most people have four hit points, not enough money, so they stay away from spooky stuff. That's a good point. Yeah, the average commoner. That is actually a very big disconnect, That and, and it's, a, it's a weird problem with this universe. The fact that the average adventurer is just at a whole other level than the average person <laughs> in every way. They're literally just superheroes walking around. And I get that they're, like, super common, but still. And, and maybe that's, you know, like, in the Marvel Universe, it's such a funny thing, where there are superheroes running around, and yet there are also bad guys doing bad guy things all the time. It's kind of just a escalation of threats that keep up, you know, just now that they're superheroes, now there's, like, even more deadlier and dangerous things going on. So, I don't know, you could just argue, they're like, well, there's just, there's haunted houses everywhere. We just can't, you know, this is one that slipped through our fingers. <laughs> Had the town council laugh off the idea of the inheritor taking it on is entirely not worth the effort just buy a place in town. Move the house to Gunderland. Uh, no, I don't want to do that because I do think it's helpful that we start on the Sword Coast. 
so that we really create a sense of wonder and adventure when we leave the Sword Coast and go across the sea. And that way we can trigger um, the start of our you know, nautical adventures. Because if we start in Gunderland, then we're actually going to end up doing a lot of land-based stuff, pretty much all of Tier 1, and then never really get to nautical stuff until we, we sail back to the Sword Coast. So we're definitely going to start on the Sword Coast. And then it becomes, you know, we do our opening Sinister Secret. Then once we get the ship, that unlocks the ability to go across, uh, you know, the trackless sea. We could, I'm liking the idea of putting Salvage Operation as like our next breadcrumb, and then that should lead to Gunderland. So that by the time we arrive in Gunderland, the party has done several encounters on the sea. They feel like they've done some nautical stuff. And then we can be in Gunderland and do some more land-based stuff before we get back out to the sea. Hopefully we can create a balance. Because I do agree, we mentioned this on Monday, a nautical, nautical campaign should not be literally 100% on the sea because that's going to get pretty old pretty quick. But I would like to you know, do as much as I can. Yeah, there is a Skeletal Alchemist in there, which you can do some interesting things with. I do like dungeons that have kind of multiple enemies and factions, and usually Undead is the best thing to do that because they're the ones that can, you know, be there indefinitely. Uh, to where, like, the the bandits are there and they use, like, most of the house, but there's a couple rooms they don't use, and they're, like, sealed off and dangerous, and that's because they know there's, like, still Undead haunting those houses, so... It's, it's got like a multiple twist factor. It's like you think it's haunted. It's really not. It's the uh, bandits using it as a staging ground and kind of a cover for their smuggling operation. But then if you actually enter in a few of the like off-marked rooms, you do realize, oh shit, there actually are undead like crawling around in here that, that we have to deal with. They're busy and care even less about random places. Look at the abandoned mills in UK cities. All right, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> There's just some creepy stuff that people don't care about. Yeah, and you and you could argue, you know, especially if it's outside Neverwinter, like, there's just, yeah, the government's got bigger problems, like, to worry about. But still, I would argue that if we were in a universe where undead existed, and you were in a fairly major city, and there was rumors of a haunted house, that would probably be pretty high on the priority list to go hire somebody to go take care of it. If it's been going on for a while, that's and that's the thing. Maybe that's you, you could start that if the quest is be like, hey, we've been hired to go take care of this um, this haunted house, and that's where the disconnect I have the fact that it's been there for like years. They've been operating it for years. It's like we just now got around. Like this just came up on the docket <laughs> for uh, for something to take care of. In order to get the players get a haunted mansion in the middle of a rather fancy neighborhood, so it's not uncommon. Do they? What is that from? Uh, is that from Dragon Heist? I don't remember the Dragon Heist one. Yeah, oh yeah, you just said Waterdeep Dragon Heist, yeah. You put the house in Fandolin, everything happens there. Yeah, Fandolin's like the New York uh, of the universe. I, probably not, though. It's probably Waterdeep where everything happens there. And I don't think we use Neverwinter very often. I think, uh, you know, in Chris's campaign, I'm, I'm pretty sure we went to Neverwinter... Um, once, I forgot what we did there. We went to Yartar. We, we did uh, maybe Luskin and Mirabar. I don't know if we went all the way down to Waterdeep. This is Storm King's Thunder I'm talking about. I think we might have gone down to Waterdeep at some point. Um, we get a teleportation network at some point also. I'm also loving the idea, which we thought about on Monday, which is what if in Chapter 2... 
which is the actual attack, the Black Armada. The there's so in chapter two, basically at the end of chapter one, they learn that there's going to be an attack on the Sword Coast, and there's three different cities that are circled as being attacked, and each of the three are attacked by a cool different pirate crew. Uh, one of them is undead, one of them is like deep scions and the Kraken Society, and one of them is a bunch of uh, Sawagan raiders. And they all attack the different cities and all different objectives, and it's a big like defend the cities thing. It's cool, but it also feels very repetitive to go through and attack each one. And I, I think it's almost built like uh, Dragon Heist, where maybe you're meant to... Or Dragon Heist slash Storm King's Thunder with the giant strongholds, where you're meant to kind of pick and choose like which ones you want to use. I'm thinking it might be really cool to have all three fucking factions attack one city, and that would put it in a dire straits. Like, maybe, you know, any one of these cities can handle an attack by one of these factions in full force, but suddenly all three of them attack, and that would be cause for an alarm, would be like the main quest, what the fuck? Like, why are all of these factions, which all have to do with the sea, suddenly, like, seemingly allied together just to attack this city and then accomplish the task that they're set out to do, which I could, I could even combine the objectives of multiple ones. Maybe some of them are trying to get an, an, uh, a magic artifact. Others are trying to assassinate the, the Aboleth. But, and I could use Neverwinter. It just seems like, um, you know, Baldur's Gate just seems too far from Gunderland, everything that's going on. And Waterdeep just seems like they've got too many things going on that they would be able to defend it properly. Neverwinter seems like kind of the best option. Um, for a full-scale attack like that. Also, it's the closest because they're going to be sailing from Gunderlin to uh, be able to reach Neverwinter in a couple hundred miles versus like whatever the thousand miles or something, maybe more than that. Actually, is this to scale? I would love to see the distance between uh, Baldur's Gate and Gunderlin is literally a thousand miles, 1100 miles, according to this hex map. So that's kind of ridiculous to do that. So I'm liking the idea of combining all of those attacks on... Neverwinter, and then once they defend it, which I cite as reference that really cool chapter four of Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, where they have to go and deal with the, a, uh, again, spoilers on that briefly, um, where they attack, or they have to defend, help, help a village as it's being attacked by a mechanical dragon. And this would be kind of a, a different version of that, where it's they have to help defend a city while it's being assaulted by all these different pirate factions. You know, saving people, defeating pirates. They'll be also able to do a cool thing where they're on the ship coming into the blockade from behind. So it's not like they're in the town seeing this attack coming. They get to come in as literally the rescuers. They get to fight their way in with the ship so we can do fucking cool ship combats and things. Then we can infiltrate stuff. We can even crash into the fucking uh, village like Speed 2 style <laughs> and make it on land and then, you know, really help defend. Uh, whatever they're dealing with. There's a cool part with a ghost ship. There's a little ghost ship that can sail up the Neverwinter uh, River, whatever that river is called. I don't know if it's labeled on here or not. It is not. Um, this map is upside down. Why is this map upside down? <laughs> is that just an error with the Roll20 version? That's funny. Huh. The actual map's not like that, right? Am I crazy? Yeah, it's just the handouts upside down. Okay. That seems like a hilarious oversight, but... Uh, mistakes do happen. Uh, anyway, and the ghost ship can go through all the bridges and things because it literally is like incorporeal. So I thought that was a, a cool twist. And then from there, they can get the quests because it creates... This is the part of the you know expanding, contracting philosophy for uh, running a D&D game that I talked about where you want to create these linear crumbs where they have to go from one area to the next um, 
for some area, which, you know, railroady, sure, uh, to, to get the main quest going, but then there should be opportunities where the main quest expands and says, okay, now you've got multiple leads, multiple areas you need to explore, whether it's just having to investigate different things or having to gather different things or whatever else is going on. And I think we could do it fairly linearly at first. So we do Sinister Secret, you know, that's the haunted house, that's the sea ghost, that should have a breadcrumb. I'm liking the idea of doing the salvage operation, maybe leads them to salvage operation, which we can have obviously encounters along the way. And then salvage operation should lead them to Gunderlin, which is actually the start of the uh, call from the deep. And then leveling is gonna be tricky though, because I'm combining two different campaigns and um, I don't want them to level too fast. Obviously we're gonna do milestone leveling, but that's something we'll have to really make sure we're not stretching the, you know, so if they make, if they, if, and, and plus I wanna start at level two, as I mentioned level one's kind of bullshit tutorial level. So if they're level two for the Haunted Mansion, which by the way, let me know for those of you that have played it, if I have to change a lot to make uh, level two work a little bit better for the Haunted Mansion. I don't, it's not even meant to be that much of a combat thing, although there are bandits at the end. And just reading it, it sounded like there was plenty of danger for level two. I mean, hell, I think there were swarms of insects, which you gotta be careful with swarms are pretty strong. Um, and then they should be level two also for the sea ghost. And then they will make level three by the time they're done with Sinister Secret. And then they'll be level three for Salvage Operation. I might have to change that level scaling because I believe it's designed for four as written here. And then we, I guess we could still be three or maybe get up to four by the time we get to Gunderlin. And then they could be four for the Wreck of the Golden Crown, um, the, the, the actual crash site, and maybe the mine. And then they could be level five after they complete Gunderlin and then they will make their way to do the big defend Neverwinter thing at level five. And then the milestone leveling gets a little tricky, I think. I wish there was a proper flowchart in uh, Call from the Deep. I don't know if it has it in here where it really talks about, hey, this should be this level for this, this level, this, this level for this. I really appreciate when the 5e campaign books include that. I don't know uh, if this one actually has it. I don't know where to find it in the Roll20 version either. I think it just says, hey, there's sidebars where this is included. I think they're supposed to be... Whenever they get to chapter four, that's the important part to know what level they're supposed to be by then. Because three is the big like open world thing, which three is where it would take a lot of work for me. Even though I do want to expand it out, I don't want to create a literal sandbox. I want to um, you know, create multiple points of interest that players can check out. Similar to what I did with Icewind Dale, I guess, where I created all these different areas. And, and sometimes they may gain, you know, encounters along the way may open up a side quest, or this would be the best chance to do side quests in different areas. But you can use the fact that multiple factions attacked Neverwinter as the kicking off for like, hey, we need to investigate all three of these factions. We need to investigate the Sawagan. We need to investigate the... I guess it's Ghost Pirates, <laughs> which that one actually has a cool thread. And then the third one is the Kraken Society. The Ghost Pirate one, by the way, um, I believe they were hired by a black dragon who lives near Neverwinter, which is interesting. Let's see, that one is under, where's that under? Attack on Neverwinter, I think. Look that one up here. There's the dude. It's a revenant with a white sword, wraith warrior, and 40 skeletons on one ghost ship, I guess. Uh, the pirates are mercenaries hired through Garandar the Vile. 
And Arbeck, a member of the Kraken Society, paid the dragon to send the pirates to attack the Avaleth. So now you got all kinds of interesting things going on. Uh, and then, yeah, it's the pirate Skyhold. North of the city, this is uh, Neverwinter, floats an almost inaccessible earth moat named Pirate Skyhold. Atop this floating hunk of stone is a fortress built by pirates to store their treasures. The fort drew the attention of the adult black dragon, Garander the Vile, who destroyed most of the fortress, killed the resident pirates, and claimed the earth moat for his own. Garander is too lazy to do much himself, referring to hire as mercenaries to gather treasure. And then he, and so one of the pirates was actually was slain by Garander and now arose as a revenant who uh, was cursed with undeath by Garander and now works as a mercenary for the Black Dragon. So suddenly that, I don't know how they would, I guess you can pick up the crumbs. I think there was another area you can talk to. It's another floating island that's got the Kraken Society, but that one would could also lead to a confrontation with this Black Dragon, which seems just an absolutely excellent little, you know, you could do a mini dungeon crawl with the Earth Moat, but then the dragon would probably be a social scene and you have to be very tense because... Or they could just fight the dragon. So that all seems um, just like it fit. You know, I'm already like working the the wheels around. Like, okay, this seems like a good one to include because there's there's a lot of information here, and I really like campaign adventures that throw a lot of things at me, and then it's up to me as the DM to kind of choose which ones I want to use, rather than having to necessarily um, rather than ones that are too vague with information, and then it's up for me to have to provide more of that uh, context and fill in those gaps. Level indications are in the chapters, beginning or the end. Thank you, Hammer Toes. So I'm looking for, uh, I guess, the beginning of chapter four. Is that the level recommendation? Character advancement. The characters should advance to at least eighth level before they assault Sea King Tentrix's floating fortress or purple rocks in chapter four. So the tricky thing is there are several things in chapter three that can lead you to the pirate lord and purple rocks um i believe purple rocks can lead them to ascarl but like basically if you lead them too far they can get to the end game pretty quick i I'm, i think ascarl is near purple rocks uh, and then the pirate king is of course behind a lot of the um uh attacks here but whether i want to make him I'm torn between making Chapter 4 a linear main quest stage and step or making it just one of the factions. So maybe as the Pirate Lord, he's like in charge of the, you know, the Pirate Faction. Um, Although now that I think about it, I guess the Pirate Faction isn't really represented if I want to do it as written, right? Because we've got the Sawagan Raiders, which is, I guess, are they the Baldur's Gate crew? And this is the big part of trying to fill in the middle section of this adventure, which is why I'm spending a lot of pre-campaign prep time on it. So I know, like, because I think knowing the factions and the people involved are going to really help me bring this all together. So I'm specifically looking at chapters two and three because they're the most open-ended things that I really want to work out. Uh, Let's see. So Neverwinter is the undead pirates that were hired by the Black Dragon. Uh, But they're also... It sounded like they were also involved in the Kraken Society, but then the attack on Baldur's Gate uh, was straight up Kraken Society, I think. Uh, three sailing ships, each crewed by 20 sea spawn. Yeah, it can be kidnapped by the Kraken Society. Uh, deep scions. 
Okay. So, and then the third one was, so I may have to change the origin of some of these just so they're, because I like the idea of having it be kind of three different factions that are attacking the city, and then the players have to investigate all three of those factions. That's kind of the leads they have, and then they will get leads from various people in the city about how to get to the next steps uh, for each one of those. And then I was thinking that maybe the Pirate Lord would only be one of those behind it, but maybe maybe all three of them, once they gather the information, they know the location. Maybe after they've gathered all three different leads, then they gain the location for the Pirate Lord, who's actually was instrumental in bringing them all together. Yeah, and the attack on Waterdeep is the uh, Sawagans. And I like the idea, I think we also mentioned, of using... Um, the final enemy, which is one of the modules in Ghosts of Salt Marsh, as the next step for uh, one of those factions. So one of the factions is the Sawagan, and then the next, uh, I don't know if I want to go straight to the final enemy, but you could easily just eliminate Danger of Dunwater. I don't like that module. I don't think it fits very well. And you could just have it be, once the players learn more about the Sawagan, maybe they have to go to one other thing and do something, um, they can learn where the Sawagan's like, you know, fortress is coming from or something, and then they, from there, they will learn that the Sawagan are being, you know, manipulated or controlled by the uh, Elder Brain slash Kraken, and that would be the final enemy module, because it's just a big Sawagan fortress dungeon, so it seems good for just a cool underwater dungeon crawl. That would be, uh, I don't know what level it is written, I, maybe one of you off the top of your head know, I think, I want to say like 7th or 8th level, uh, so it should, because most of the chapter two, the the open world section, although I'm using the term open world like I'm just going to have a few points of interest here and there, will basically be tier two. So we can kind of mold anything that's between levels like five and nine, I think, and be okay and insert some stuff in there. Um, I think dropping in the styes at some point would be great. I think the styes is an awesome adventure. You could use that as the next stepping stone for, or breadcrumb, whatever you want to say, link in the chain for the Kraken Society uh, adventure, which I think would work pretty well. Um, so really I could end up using probably a lot more Ghosts of Saltmarsh content than I was expecting because of the way I can uh, use all these multiple factions. Even this one is to gather captives and retrieve the Merid Conch hidden in Umberlee's cache. And if I wanted to, I could even move that to Neverwinter uh, or I could ignore it and just keep it where the main job of the factions is to assassinate the Aboleth, because I, I do really like that as a as a fun twist where the players could potentially work with an Aboleth uh, as being somebody who knows maybe what's going on and knows that, you know, Slarkrathel is not himself <laughs> and something weird's going on that they have to take care of. Final enemy is a lot of fun. This is a challenging environment. Do research and know the fighting and water rules. Yeah, and that'll be interesting to see, like, when the players start bringing me characters, how many are going to be like, yeah, of course I want to play, like, you know, Tritons and Sea Elves and stuff, which, you know, more power to them if they want to. I would, it would certainly have relevance. Um, it is a nautical campaign, so you should, you know, use that as much as you can. Uh, there are obviously going to be ways of the players gaining, you know, water-breathing potions or, uh, I don't know, whatever other magical items they could get. Maybe we could put, I thought about even um, putting a, uh, what's the submarine that's in the freaking Dungeon Master's Guide, the apparatus of qualsh or something that's literally like this some uh this thing you can get inside and it's got legs and shit or you can make that into like a submarine type thing and so now they've got a way of of getting down into areas they would still have to 
you know, presumably get out and worry about breathing. But, you know, that would just make things more fun and interesting uh, and in and, and a way that you can reward them for finding all these various, you know, shipwrecks and dungeon sites and things and, and give them specifically a lot of tools that have to do with uh, underwater uh, use because that will certainly be relevant here. It's, it's funny all the times that, like, Reese took, like, water breathing and spells and, like, it never really came up and now watch my players not have any, like, druids or wizards or something and <laughs> have to come up with all these different challenging environments. That's part of it. Neverwinter being attacked by normal pirates while the undead wins. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, you could just throw in some normal ones in there. So basically add additional crew to the pirate, because otherwise I think it's only the one ghost ship. Just have some generic pirates in there. And then the... Uh, and maybe you could even ignore the whole... Uh, ghosts were actually hired by the Black Dragon thing and just say, like, yeah, they were just... Well, I still like the Black Dragon thing. I don't know. I'll have to work on that. I like the idea of having to go up to a floating fortress to go talk to a black dragon. <laughs> that's that's just a cool story hook. Mechanical lobster, a crab sub. Yes, you all know what I'm talking about. I reckon you use thousand teeth of crocodiles. It's a really interesting stat block. Players think it's just a giant crocodile, then oh shit moment with legendary actions. Yeah, that's like the one thing you get from uh danger at Dunwater, I think, is the lizards. If you if you play it right and you don't go in killing all the lizards, the lizard folk, uh, then they give you a quest to go take out this uh, big badass crocodile. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I just don't. I don't even see them like using swamps or anything. Uh, it just. I don't think it'll fit. And we just have so much. We have so much content uh, with me combining two adventures that I'm really going to be cutting more than I'm adding. I think because if we already look at me, if you look at having all those things together, yeah, I'm looking at just cutting things for time wise, but also pacing wise. Like they're gonna out-level everything unless I keep them lower levels for a while, so, but we'll look at it. I haven't for sure, you know, married myself to any one uh, quest line just yet, other than obviously we're for sure using Secret of Salt Marsh uh, to open it. We're for sure using pretty much all of the Crash as written, which is chapter one, and then we'll for sure use Ascarl as the final dungeon at the end. Beyond that, we're really trying to fill in the middle areas. <laughs> you know you're going to want to make this up yourself. I would, yeah. Love Thousand Teeth in a Blast. Every time I ran Dunwater Scenario for more non-combat parties. Yeah. Aracocra reskinned as a seagull. <laughs> yeah, flying, I don't know, would come in very handy in this adventure. There's a great side adventure in the back of Ghost of Summer. There's an apparatus, apparatus of Qualls. Is that what I'm thinking of? Um, As a reward. Okay. Yeah, because I think Saltmarsh actually comes with, like... Uh, which, unfortunately... Uh, also, I don't think it's going to be included in my add-on modules, but maybe I'll try to look at the Transmogrifier thing and see if I can bring some of this over. Um, here, right? These underwater locations under Appendix A, uh, obviously the map art would have to be found and improved upon. But I believe you can use these as kind of drop-in, you know, almost mini dungeons, but they are all have to do with underwater stuff. And I believe they've got different level scales. By which I mean you can run them at different tiers and then they involve different things. Am I making that up? Maybe I'm thinking of something else, but I think that's how this one works. But yeah, I'll have to look at these because this is this is some good opportunities, especially to break up something that's maybe a little more involved in an encounter. And if I'm feeling like we haven't done a good just kind of dungeon-esque thing in a while, um, then these are really good to drop in. But clearly we'll need to... 
come up with some better maps for this. I believe they're all, oh yeah, it says underwater locations that are all under, they're all underwater. Right. Oh, there they are. Yeah, I just passed it, this table. Okay. So yeah, these adventures, you literally run one of four adventures and they're designed for four different levels. I guess they're not quite the different tiers. Like this one doesn't have a tier one equivalent, but um, they're actually scaled to different levels, which is pretty cool. That's a great way to do these um, encounter areas. So I'll definitely look at trying to include some of those. And yeah, if there's a way for them to get an apparatus of Qualsh, that would be pretty cool. A dragon turtle, oh boy. <laughs> I've used one before in Tomb, but I guess it's been a while. A ton of side quests, yeah. Charles got still attacked with a bunch of Croco friends. That, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll look at it again. I think it's it's in danger of Dawnwater buried in the end, I believe, but I'll have to look at the, the crocodile one. Um, I mean, players do love a good old-fashioned monster hunt, so... And we could, you know, we could throw that in anywhere. Like I said, that could be a side quest they need. Like, maybe they need to... Maybe in order to follow up on the Sawagan, they know they... Maybe the way I include Danger of Dunwater is that they... Everybody says, you gotta go talk to the lizard folk over at our neighbor's swamp over here. You know, they they have more interactions with the Sawagan than any of us do. And then the lizard folk can tell them, like, yeah, we can tell you, but in order to in order for us to tell you, a very classic RPG trope, you gotta do you gotta do a quest for us, and then we'll give you the information you need, and then the quest can be to go take care of um, this crocodile. But I don't know what level danger of Dunwater is. They would probably be tier two, maybe like level, you know, six or something by the time they're actually doing that. So we may have to look at uh, just changing some level scaling around. <laughs> my three-year-old just walked in the room wearing uh, my wife's shoes. That is also a hilarious trope. <laughs> little little ones. I see you. Little ones dressing up in big clothes is. I was tying my shoes. Is adorable. I was tying. You were tying them. Like it's pretty tricky. I think it's, it's pretty fun. Okay, as long as it's pretty fun. I haven't found a good excuse to use Isle of the Abbey or Temerat's Fate yet. I'll have to reread those and see. You have a what? What did you say? I got a juicy poop. You have a juicy poop in your butt. Huh? Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, well, we will be taking care of that very soon, okay? No. We need to do it now? Okay. Well, I think we've just about reached our uh, hour-long uh, crafting stream, so you might have actually caught me at a good time right now. I don't have music still. I have a number of musical tracks I've been looking at if uh, that I've been testing out. I was thinking about testing them with all of you, but maybe I won't subject you to that. Um, but if you are familiar with uh, Kevin McLeod slash Incompetech, uh, which is in the jukebox section of um, Roll20, and you've heard any that you think, oh man, this would fit pretty well, then do let me know. Um, I'll be doing, I'm doing more research on that, trying to figure out what songs work pretty well. Uh, and it doesn't even have to be at the beginning. I, could, I can splice the song up to, you know, begin and end whenever we need to do that. But I'm still looking at intro and outro music to fit the campaign that some of my uh you know it's just all, all part of the prep work so um you can see i've got some tracks right here 
Uh, if you want to pause the screen and look up some of those and listen to them, you certainly can. These are all ones that I'm thinking could fit at various uh, sections or, uh, you know, for intro and outros that I'm looking at. But I believe for now that is going to do it for this Thursday edition of Crafting the Deep. Uh, sure. Uh, if you enjoy the content, please do check out patreon.com slash rogue Watson. Shoutouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Dan, Brandon, Dennis, Snyder, David, Eclectic, Roleplay, Roll, Christopher, Brian, Corey, Coa, 1337, Big Nut, John, John, Scott, Gene, Eric, Tyler, Nathan, Camp, Crystal, Link, Counselor, Big Jeff, Andrew, Daryl, The Relderan, Matt, Captain, Woody, 79, and Matthew, and Gold Patrons, RBG, Paper Crafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Dead Lizard, Lion, Sand, Lumpy's Buds, Jerome, Nathan, Fast, Like a Tortoise, Scott, Refus, Carolyn, William, Jerry, and Tom. Thank you all very much. For your support, we will see you, uh, well, Platinum Patrons who are playing in the game, I'll see you for uh, tonight's session, and then uh, all of you I will see tomorrow uh, evening for the kickoff of our Tomb of... I am coming right now. All right, see you later.